Bless you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Amen. I, I, I wish it was true. I wish it was true for all of them. I do. I love the song. And oh, how I wish it was true. That we love it more than anything. I, I wish it was true. But the evidence is obvious that it's not always true. That we love him more than anything. I, I know I'm not the only one that sees. Yeah, it's easy to sing a song. It's a beautiful song. Great job. But I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if it's true. If it's true, then search your heart. Now, don't look at nobody else. Don't, don't even turn your head. I wonder in your heart of hearts, is it true? Do you love him more than anything? Uh oh, let me change it a little bit. More than anyone? Because I wonder. I see us put a whole lot of things before him. And I wish, I wonder how different the world would be. Our community would be if we actually did love him more than anything. I wonder, I wonder. Let's pray for that day. Let's pray for the day that our walk matches, matches our wit. And we can sing publicly, all out in the street with our eyes closed. Lord, I love you more than anything. He loves us more than anything. How do I know, Dave? He proved. He gave his life for me, for you. He proved yeah. he was willing to give up glory. He was already God's son. He was already the prince of heaven. He was already more than we could ever imagine. And he was willing to give all that up. To come down here and rescue you and me. So I know he loves us. And he didn't just come down here and punch in. For 33 odd years. No. He came down here knowing that the end was going to be. Something that was going to be horrible. He knew it. And anybody speculates that. He didn't know it. Must not have seen him in the garden. Must not have heard him pray further. Must not have seen the sweat like drops of blood pouring off of him when he was talking to his father about another way. Lord, Lord, I know we talked about this plan up in heaven and I know I know we've been walking it out. I know we've been doing it and it's about to be action time, Father. But if there's another way we can do this. But he was so obedient that he said, nevertheless, if this is the way you say it's got to be. Not my will, but your will be done. So I know he loves us. Living the good life. Many of us put living the good life in front of him, but I don't know that we do it in the way that he wanted us to. Let's talk about that again. We've been on it for a few weeks now. 
Let's talk about how he instructed us to live a good life. You got your Bible. You want to turn Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. We've been working our way through Jesus' famous sermon on the mount. His famous sermon on the mount. We started at the beginning and we've made our way all the way to verse 13. The first couple of sermons were about the Beatitudes of Jesus telling us he opened he opened the, 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 the blueprint of how we can live a good life in relationship to him. And he told us in eight ways that we were blessed if we do certain things. Eight ways. You're blessed if you do this. And then he got to, well, he didn't get to it, but what we have numbered. That's verse 13. Last week we talked about his comparison of us to a substance that was well known to everyone at that time, salt. We just ask you to be salty. You know, I never know how sermons are going to be received by people. I'm always prayerful that it'll be helpful to everyone, but I didn't know that be salty was going to be like that for certain people. And now people sending me texts this weekend getting t-shirts made saying be salty. I love, I love it. I'm going to get one. Yeah. This week we're going to go to the next comparison that Jesus made. Starting at verse 14. To complete this thought because he said not only are we sold but there's another comparison I want to make to you. So you also like this. Jesus says specifically in your Bible, if it's a red letter edition, it should be in red, which means Jesus said it. You are, no ambiguity there, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it, or let me say, a basket. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are always seemingly in a place where we're trying to sell something. We're trying to sell an image of ourselves that may or may not be true. We always want to put out a public image that's been curated so well that it takes out all the flaws, all the regular stuff that happens. And I want us to be careful as we do this because there's nothing wrong with wanting to show people that God has shown favor on you. But God shows favor on you even when you mess up. And we don't often show people that I'm blessed when I mess up too. So we show them the good stuff. And we often find the glare of public scrutiny to be too much for us. And so we find ourselves hiding our connection. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But if you've ever been in a place after you became a believer in Christ where you found it hard to acknowledge that in a place or in a space, don't raise your hand. You found it difficult to be an outward witness. 
That's something you need to teach children. That it ain't always easy to wear your work with Jesus do t-shirts. In certain spaces, it's hard in certain places to represent him. I know it's true. I know it's true because I saw some disciples struggle with it. I'm talking about folk who had skipped, skipped, skipped my loo with him every day while he was walking around here for three days. He wasn't even, he was still walking around with him. He was still alive, Ridge, and they were struggling in connecting to him. The heat was turned up publicly. The scrutiny was on them. And Peter wasn't even far from Jesus before he was cussing folk out saying he didn't know Jesus. He wasn't even far from him. The sad thing about Peter is that Jesus had told him, before the day is over, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter, in his arrogance, Bobby, thought Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. Until the cock crowed, signaling that he had just for the third time in a 24-hour span gotten so angry about people drawing his connection with Jesus that he had cussed a little girl out. It wasn't anger that he was feeling, it was fear. Because it was hot. If they came and snatched Jesus, and did him like this, Lord knows what they're going to do to us, too. And sometimes you find yourself in that space. And so because of that, we crush. We crush in subtle ways our connection to him. We crush the fact that we walk with him. And I came today to give you some, some I hope, some relief and some guidance on how you and I can walk a little bit different and and to that end, I want to I use as a central thought today, living under a basket. Living under a basket. A few years ago, a gentleman by the name of Eugene Romanovsky wanted to sell his used car. He lived in Israel, and he had a 1996 Suzuki Vitara. And so he wanted to sell it. And so uh, the car was used, but it, it was still functioning, still ran well. He thought he could get a decent amount for it. And so because he worked in the entertainment industry, he was a visual effects guy. He decided to cut his own commercial to sell his, to sell his car. I'm going to show you the commercial he cut to sell his car. I know 
I know that, that was a bad commercial, wasn't it? Yeah, he got over three million hits when he posted it online. Over three million hits, three million people viewed it and saw the car. Now I don't know that you would have done you wouldn't have done that good at Auto Trader if you had put it in there. Three million hits. But watch this. He sold it. He got a good price for it. The man who bought it had never seen the commercial. The man who bought it saw it on the street. And it was his everyday interaction with it on the street that made him want to buy it. I hope you see where I'm going on this. We put all the theatrics, all the bells and whistles on our connection, on our walk and our witness with God. But the truth of the matter is, is what people see every day. Every day that make them want to buy what you sell. And so some people think they got a sensational life. They're walking their witness with the Lord. No, you don't have to sensationalize your own walking witness. And we don't have to sensationalize the gospel in order for people to understand what it is that's being offered to them. So in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord uses two things. He uses salt. Today he's using light, light to share with people just how significant you are. You are. Now, I want you to understand that the Lord said you are salt. You are light. There's no confusion, no ambiguity in what your purpose is in the kingdom. You've been sit, sent for a purpose. And the purpose is not simply your own salvation. It's your salvation that puts you in a position to be salt and light. Because this message that he was giving, David, was not to non-believers. It was to believers. And so you have to ask yourself every day, what is my purpose in the kingdom? What am I supposed to be doing? Is Reverend Spark or preachers, pastors, the only one supposed to be drawing folk into the kingdom? And the answer is no. The people who are supposed to be drawing you into the kingdom, you look at them in the mirror. Every single day is just as much your responsibility as it is mine. Because you are soul. You are Light. Both of these images indicate what our role should be. And so today, I want to use, I think, a very familiar song. Very familiar song to try to bring out some points on how it is that you're, you're light. You're light. Now, we know light is, light is something else. All right? If you don't know the power of light in your life, um, then you simply haven't been paying attention. Anybody in here ever experienced any period of darkness in your life? Yeah, I'm not talking about physical darkness. I'm talking about in you. Yeah, and so light comes to us in different ways. But there's this song that I want to use. You know this song. Many people think that it's an old Negro spiritual, but in reality, it, it, was, it wasn't uh, written until like the early 20th century, and it was written by a man who was prolific. And writing gospel songs. His name was Harry Lowe's. And he wrote this little, this little ditty that we now sing called This Little Light of Mine. This Little Light of Mine. Yeah. And one of the first things he said, and I want to I use some of his lyrics to kind of guide you in this. The first thing he said was, Jesus gave it to me. Jesus gave it to me. The first thing you ought to celebrate and Jesus identifying you as a light bearer is that it comes from a source that can't be taken from you. All right? Jesus gave it to me. We sang in there, because he gave it to me, the world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away from me. The source of your light is significant enough that you ought to understand its importance. You can't create it if you wanted to. Yeah, that, that's, that's just it, because you are not the light. You didn't make the light. 
The light is actually the spirit of the Holy God in you. It's Jesus who's given it to you. And all you really are, the best analogy I can give you, is a reflector of the light that's in you. And when you live your life in, an, in a wholesome, I'll use this term, unsullied way, it allows for the light to be reflected off your own life. But when you decide you're going to live in ways that are not appropriate, that's what we call putting your light under a basket. Yeah, that's what we call putting your light under a basket. You are simply a vessel through which it shines. And it's, it's, it's because you allow yourself to be used in proper ways that people are able to see you as a living testimony. I like this, that God chooses vessels to do different things for him. Just, just look around this room right now and look at all the different ways light can come in. Yeah, all the different unique ways that light can come in, all the different vessels that allow light to come in. You see the different fixtures, the different light fixtures that allow this physical light to come in. All of them are different, and none of them, windows include, none of them have to compete with the others in order for them to be able to do their job. Just as these different vessels allow light to come in, so too do we. We don't have to compete with one another for our light to shine differently than somebody else's because it all serves a different purpose. We get so caught up in folk who seem to have greater light than we do. And that's because God has placed them in a position for their light to shine greater. I, I love the fact that I had a brother named Obama who was put on a hill for his light to shine. But I don't have to teach my son that he got to be like Obama's light because he can't be like Obama's light because God specifically placed Obama in that place and he placed him high enough, you do know that the perspective that you see light or that is placed makes a difference in how it shines. Oh yeah, the same bulb in a different place shines differently. Yeah, let me share this with you and I want you to write this down and understand this. Nobody has bigger light. We all who are in the household of faith have the exact same light. It's no different. Obama's light isn't bigger than your light. It's just the place that he was put that makes it seem like his light is bigger. But you have the, not, not even infinitesimally different, it's the exact same light that he has. You don't have to be jealous. You don't have to try to copy what he's doing. Just let your light shine. Stop teaching children they gotta be like Johnny. They can be powerful in their own respects if they just learn how to let their light shine. Jesus gave it to them just like he gave it to them, gave it to your child like he gave it to the other folk. And it's the same amount. Same amount. And that brings me to the next part of the song. It says, I'm not going to make it shine. I'm just going to let it. Come on now. I'm not going to make it shine. How much energy is made, is used in trying to make our light shine? What, are we, what, what, what hoops do we jump through? Video? All the time he spent. I can't imagine how much manpower he spent. 
how many working hours he spent putting that video together. It was great. He probably got a better job out of it. Probably did. So it had a purpose, but not the intended purpose. Yeah. And what I'm telling you is, if you simply allow your light to shine in the way that God gave it to you, don't embellish it. That means put more on it. Don't try to convince people that you're bigger than you are. Yeah, some of us try to make our light grow like we make shadows grow. You know, it just depends on how close you are to the source. That'll make your shadow grow. It looks really big, but a shadow can't help you. Just like a false identity from your light can't help you. Because when you try to make your light shine and it puts you in a place that you don't deserve to be, you will see your light diminished because you're not in the appropriate place. Why is that? Light is powerful, y'all. Light is powerful. And so I'm not going to make it shine because I don't have to because light is powerful. It's an amazing, amazing thing because while light doesn't have physical properties, but it can have profound effects on physical places. Look, 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 look. If you find yourself sitting in a dark room, there is a certain emotional space you go to in a dark room that just a little light can change. Just a candle in that room can change your whole perspective. And so while you may not feel the light, the light has an effect on you. Make that plain, Reverend Sparks. You may be working every day in a dark place. You may be working around folk who seem to always be negative, who seem to always think that somebody's out to get them. They're paranoid for whatever reason. Yeah. But if you allow your light to shine, the presence of the light that you have reflected on you can slowly start making a change. Your good morning can make a difference. The story is told of a young lady who had the presence of God in her. She had accepted Christ at a young age. She seemed eerily happy all the time. Folk thought she was weird because she simply had a positive attitude. And so she'd come to work every day, and each day she was on the shift, she made sure she invited somebody to church with her. Each time got to the point where they, they run from them. Now, I don't want to hear about you taking us to church. And they got to the point where they started mocking her. What really hurt her was that one of the ones who she thought she was close to joined in the mocking. It led her to a point that she was in tears one day. She left. The next day, guess what she did? She was chipper again. She had gone back to the source of her life, gotten her strength, and she came in, even though they had mistreated her the day before, and she came in and greeted them, and she went right back to the person who had hurt her and said, I shouldn't wish you'd come to church. And the woman looked at her, and she said, what in the world is going on? And she did something unheard of. She went to church with and three weeks later, she was baptized. Why? Because somebody just kept letting their light shine and didn't put it under a bushel. Can I walk with you on this and show you how God has, how Jesus Christ in this analogy has shown how light is different? If you go back, you've got your Bible. I'm going to show you this because you may not have picked this up. He said, first of all, uh, in verse 14, you are the light of the world. And so Jesus starts out his analogy on a global scale. The light of the world is, of course, we know the sun. All right? And so he's saying everybody can see the sun. Everybody can see the sun. And so that light is there as a blessing to everyone who can see it. And then he brings it down just a little bit. And he says, from the sun, a town, a city that is on a hill cannot be hidden. What you may not know is at the time, 
because of the way they lived, many, seals, many cities were built on the sides of mountains. They had practical effects because they could see enemies coming. It was hard for enemies to get to them. But they were also typically made of stone that was alabaster. Because it was alabaster, a little light would light up the city. So from a distance, you could see the city on the side of the mountain shining. And what Jesus is saying, that if you're a city, if you've got the light in you, you're like a city that's been set on the side of a mountain, and it cannot be hid. And so he's brought it from the global to the local, and then he breaks it down to the familiar. He gets in your house. And then he says, because people don't take a light and put it under a lampshade or a basket. He said, because everybody in your house can benefit from it. So he goes from global, sun, city, local. Everybody in the city can benefit from that light to your house. And that brings me to the next. You ought to be blessing folk in your house first. You can't shine for the world to see if your house ain't getting lit by the light you got. So, Jesus gave it to me. I'm not going to make it shine. I'm just going to let it shine. And the reason I don't have to make it shine is because light is powerful. Light will overpower darkness. Any darkness, it will overcome it. All right? The psalmist has been telling us this uh, 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 Throughout the ages, the psalmist wrote, the entrance of thy words giveth light. The entrance of thy words. In other words, just the proclamation of your word illuminates me in ways that I never would have known. Did you know that simply telling folk about the word of God can get them out of a blind space? We know that when we use the term blindness, it also means darkness. How do I know this? Because the songs we always sing, we say, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. But that writer wasn't talking about physical blindness. What he was saying is there was a part of life that I didn't see, and now I can see, and that's what light does for you. Light opens up a perspective that you never had before, and then the psalmist said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's important that people who know better show folk how to do better. Your presence can teach people how to do better. You in this space can show people how to live right. But you can't show people how to live right if you're convinced in hiding your own light under a basket. You've got to show them the hard way of living the right way. You didn't hear me there. You've got to show people the hard way of living the right way. It's hard living right. It's hard living right. We glorify folk. We glorify folk. I've seen it too many times in our community who have gone through, messed up, and then got up. They should be celebrated. Oh, yeah, we celebrate them. He went through something, and then the Lord brought him through it, and he turned around, and now he's doing great. And he's an example to everybody. But have you ever stopped to celebrate the person who stuck through it tough and never went through that bad stuff in the first place? Do you know how hard it is for a child to consistently say no, to stay out of trouble, not get in trouble and get out, but to stay out of trouble in the first place? They never get celebrated like we celebrate in our community. We always celebrate the folk. Now, I ain't marking nobody because they went through some trouble and went through the courts and went through prison and came out, but they get much more attention for turning their life around. And they should, because that's hard, but equally celebrate the ones who don't have that testimony. Equally celebrate the ones who never had that rough lifestyle to come through. The ones who, the nerds as we call them, who never got in any trouble but stayed true to the cause. That's just as hard to keep doing that. Light overpowers darkness. Not only that, light outperforms dreariness today. You got up this morning just for a moment. If you didn't have a definite obligation to be here today, you thought about it. 
It's raining. It's a little cold out there. I, I don't know. You had to kind of push through it. Just a little bit. If we're honest with ourselves, I know I did. But I had to be here this morning. Everybody get up, peek out the windows. Yeah. That's how life is. But it wasn't the light in your room that you flipped on. No. It was the light in your heart that flipped on. Yeah, it was the light of you remembering that I used to not even take advantage of the opportunity to get up. I tell you all the time, I used to watch Westerns on Sunday. Oh, yeah. We were getting ready to get a good breakfast. Sit back in the chair and watch TV all day long. I wasn't thinking about going to church. It's just how it was until the Lord made it such that I couldn't think about nothing but going to church. Because he turned the light on in me. And it's been a blessing to me. Light, my life was dreary at that point. I was in a pattern. A pattern of activity and then repeat. Activity and repeat. And I thought I was living a good life. I did. I thought I was living a good life. I had a good job. We were living all right. But it wasn't helping nobody. It wasn't a blessing to anybody. It wasn't even a blessing to my family. It was taking resources that we didn't need to spend. And nobody was being benefited from it. And then I learned that there was a much better way for me. And thank God that he brought me to that point. I can tell you, Karen and I used to hang out with some friends. And we used to sit around. I used to stop by the Class 6 store. Anybody here know what the Class 6 store is? Nobody in the military. The class six store in the military is the ABC store. <laughs> don't it sound good when you say class six, don't it? Yeah, yeah. I used to stop by the class six store and yeah. Yeah. And buy some brandy and vodka and some other stuff and get ready for the weekend. And then spend the weekend getting rid of all of that in time for Monday morning. And then I get up and go to work, and then I get to the next Friday, and I do it again, and again, and again. Can I tell you, not one of those, and that's not to say I didn't enjoy the people we were in, you know, they were friends. And, and they weren't, they were not friends just to do that, they were friends, but that's how we engaged ourselves. Can I tell you, I never experienced the thrill of life more on those weekends than I did sitting down one weekend with a group full of teenagers. Just talking about, not necessarily Jesus, just talking about life. Just spending time in their presence exhilarated me more than any of those weekends I spent. When I finally got back to a place and I understood and we would have Kwanania, which is fellowship, and those kids would just sit around and talk about life. The fact that they would even listen to me was so amazing to me. And I found out that when I was going to those trips to the classic store, I was blind. I was blind to what was really meaningful in life. And now I could finally see that the light I had could break, break the dreariness that was in kids' lives. And that's what brings me joy. This little light of mine, they didn't expect me to be big. They didn't expect me to be popular. They just expected me to be genuine. And I love the fact that they allowed me to be in their life like that. And I love the fact that God allowed me to be used like that. And that's why I know the next part of the song, all in my home, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, all in my home. I'm going to let it shine, showing my kids. We, I told you, when we got to the place that we understood, we used to collect shot glasses. Everywhere we went, we'd get a shot glass. We threw all our shot glasses away. Yeah, because if that was the only way we could maintain a memory, something was wrong. All right? But we also did that because we were at a point in our lives with our kids that we couldn't tell them not to drink no more. We had to show them the difference it made. Now, they're grown. 
They can do whatever they want to do. But as for me, by the time I got to that point, I had had enough. All right, I'd had enough at that point. I didn't need to spend any more money. And that's not to say I haven't had anything to drink alcoholic since then, but it was not a part of my life like it was then. It was not a central part of how I lived. And I could stand and tell my children without hesitation or reservation, you can do something better than that. Now, whether they took it in and lived is up to them, but I wasn't hiding under a basket anymore. I couldn't sit in a room full of kids and express upon them how much joy and exhilaration you could get out of life when I was trying to get it out of a bar. I had to be able to show them that life on life's term brings its own joy. That's what I, I had to be genuine with them now. I had to be genuine with you as well. That there are plenty of things more in life that bring me exhilaration than anything I ever got out of any can or bottle or anything. I can't tell you how thrilling it is to be sitting in the recliner in the house, not doing anything, and all of a sudden one of my grandboys just come jump on me. What an amazing feeling that he's drawn to me in that space and just wants to be around me for a little while. That brings more joy. That's the kind of light I want to spread in life. And the fact that other children in the neighborhood who know our children want to come to our house. Anybody else got a house like that? Your house is the house that folk want to come to. That's the kind of light I'm talking about. It draws people to you. It makes a difference. Let your light shine so that it draws folk in. The reason is a city that's on a hill, when you put yourself out there, whether it's by snacks or because you got a nice TV and you got, or you got the Netflix or whatever, let your light shine so that it draws folk in. And it won't be hid. It can't, can't be hid. Because not only does light penetrate uh, 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 institutions like your home, it also penetrates people. Do you know that some children only see light in you? They never see light at their house. It's dreary at their house. It's sad at their house. They hate going home. The only time things get better is when they get around you for a little while during the day. You are the light in their life. You can't waste the time in their life because they depend. They look to you. They are miserable on the weekend when you can't hang out with them on Friday. They won't see you no more till Monday. And they have to stay in their situation because nobody is being a light bearer in their world. Do not deprive them of the opportunity to see you and spend time with you because you are the light that's going to lead them to a more productive life. I, I, I took this for granted. I took it for granted for a long time. I had a friend who would come to my house and I never knew he was studying me the way he was until we became adults. I never knew that what I was throwing away as useful or uh, as useless or aggravating, he was taking in as necessary. I never knew that because I was a child and I was looking at things from the wrong perspective. Same children, different perspectives looking at the same thing. I'm throwing away my connection to my daddy because he's getting on my nerve. He's getting on my nerve. Donnell, go do this. Donnell, go do that. Donnell, you clean up the kitchen. Donnell, you picked up the leaves in the yard. Picked up the leaves. Not even rake. Donnell, you do this. What about a rake, man? That might help, you know? I'm mad. Never realizing that my friend ain't got no dad at home. The fact that I'm even interact interacting with a daddy, he's looking at from a completely different perspective. Coming back telling me when we we're adults, man, you know we learned how to do that from your dad. I'm like, what? I didn't even learn that from you. Because you didn't need to learn it from him. 
We did. We did. So I came to tell you, light penetrates houses. Light penetrates people. And then that brings me to my last point, and I'm out of here. Everywhere I go, the songwriter said, I'm going to let it shine. Everywhere I go. Why? Because it's a witness to the lost. That's why God gave you the light. God didn't give you the light to illuminate you. Yeah, it ain't no strobe light to put you in the best light. That's not what church is about. We wear church and our relationship with the Lord like we on the spotlight. That's not what it's about. No, you are a reflector of the light that's in you because you're a witness to people who are lost and don't know it. They don't know they're lost. They're simply walking around in life as life has presented itself to them, but they don't realize they're lost. It's our witness, Reg. It's our walk that tells them there is a way that you're walking. It seems like it's right, but the end of the way you're walking is wrong. But I know a man who's shown me the right way to walk. And I'm now trying to show it to you. So everywhere I go, and this doesn't mean that we get to show people and be celebrated for our good works. Yeah, some of us just want to have the bright lights shine down on us. Some of us in our walk and our witness only want to turn our lights on when the bright lights are on us. And I came to tell you that that's not how God intended it to be when he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Good works are good, but they shouldn't be your motivation. The love of God ought to be your motivation. In other words, good works are works produced in us and by us through Jesus Christ. That's what good works are. Not so you can get your name in the paper or be on the news or any of that. It's simply good works for good works sake. So, sake. so not only are you a witness to the law, to the lost, but lastly, you're a witness to the Lord. There's no greater witness than a born-again believer. No, no, no greater witness. Reflecting the light of Jesus Christ in your life is as powerful a testimony as you will ever give. It's powerful a representation of what Jesus Christ was all about. The truth of this is seen in men and women every single day who spend themselves on a worthy cause. And that's simply making life around them better. They don't do it for a claim. They don't do it for money. They don't do it for recognition. They simply do it because people need to be shown the way. There is a place in the Caribbean that's called Castle Island. Castle Island. It is a narrow strip. It's there right now. You can take a trip there if you want to. It's a narrow strip of beach that people go to because of the some amazing um, turquoise waters around the island. I mean, it's just beautiful. You've never seen the Caribbean waters. Just you don't even know how God can make that color in the, in the water. But people don't necessarily go there just because of that. They do. But the most amazing feature on Castle Island, which is just right in the middle of the Caribbean, it's dotted around with other islands. The most amazing thing there is the fact that there is a lighthouse on the island. And one day, a, a tourist was out in his little boat, Cam, and he had been out on the water for a long time. And he decided he was going to get off at Castle Isle, stretch his legs a bit because he had been in the water on the water for too long. So he got got out. And while he was out, it just so happened that the lighthouse keeper was there. The lighthouse keeper was amazed that somebody was there because he spent too much time by himself. And he just wanted to talk to somebody. And so he came to the guy and he greeted him and they shared. And the guy said, well, all right, it's time for me to get on back. And he said, no, no, man, please stay a little bit longer, Theatha. He said, you want to see the lighthouse? And 
the guy was like, yeah, he'd never been in a lighthouse before. So he gets a tour of the lighthouse. And so they go, you can imagine, to get up in the lighthouse with a lot of stairs. They climb all the stairs to get to the top of the lighthouse. And when they get there, the man is amazed. Because in this lighthouse, there's one candle sitting on the table. There's not a spotlight. There's not a huge light. There is a candle sitting on the table. But that candle is magnified by mirrors all around the room. And it's those mirrors and that one light that shines on the Caribbean at night and shows ships, passenger ships, cargo ships that they're about to hit the water I mean hit the shore and that they need to go a different way one little light this little light of mine reflected off whatever God allows me to be reflected off can stop people walking in life from running into the shore and cracking, crashing their lives your little light can stop somebody from crashing into the shore if you just let it shine. Stop living under a basket. Let your light shine. And you'll welcome somebody into your presence, into his presence. You'll welcome them into your life. You got a friend. He'll have a friend. There's not a friend like Jesus. But most people who make Jesus their friend have already made somebody else their friend. Because it's friends that lead other people to Christ. And so I wonder today, is there somebody here? Somebody here? Who's heard that Jesus did all these things for them. And ready to make an acknowledgement that you appreciate Jesus dying for you, if you're here today. Then I'm inviting you to make that public acknowledgement. I want to invite you to join this church. But more importantly, I want you to join Jesus Christ's family. If you're here, while our leaders come, I'm inviting you to be a part of our church family. Whosoever will, let them come right now. Come on.